Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You've heard me say before that saints' days are usually celebrated on the day of their death, not on the day of their birth, because that is the day of their birthday into heaven. So today is the day the church has set aside to remember Mary's death. We don't hear of Mary's death in the scriptures, though. No verses to read about that today. It could have been included in there somewhere, though, since the average lifespan of people back then was much shorter than it is today. And some traditions have her living just 10 or 20 years after the death of Jesus. And many biblical books were written after that. So it could have been included somewhere. But for today, instead of reading about Mary's death or speculating on it, as some do, we heard of what made Mary special and significant. The birth of her son. Or, more specifically, what she did and said right after she was told She was going to have a son, which I want to propose to you today is the day of her death, the day she died to the life she thought she was going to have and realized God had another plan for her life, a better one. Now, we all make plans for our lives, what we want to be when we grow up, where we want to live. Sometimes those plans include getting married and having children, what our spouse will be like, how successful we will be, living happily ever after, and more. Sometimes those plans work out, and sometimes they don't. But now imagine that God comes along and says, nope. What you think, what you're imagining, dreaming, planning, that's not how it's going to be for you at all. I have another plan, a completely different plan. Well, you're a Christian. So, okay, perhaps you'll say, I'll I'll go along. You're God after all. Good, God says. Now, About my plan. That big fancy marriage that you were hoping for? No. You're actually going to get married or pregnant before you get married. These days no one bats an eye at that, but in those days it was still a big deal. Joseph would not be pleased. Oh, and the son you're going to have? He'll be spoken against and opposed. Many will hate him. In fact, he's going to be crucified, and you'll be there. You're going to see him agonize and then take his final breath. And it's going to feel as if a sword is piercing your own soul also. So that's my plan for you. Uh... I thought this was going to be a better plan. 
Now, of course, you know that it was. But better doesn't mean easier. And life from this day forth was not easier, certainly, for Mary. Luther marveled at Mary's faith. That she was able to assent to this word of the Lord that the angel Gabriel spoke to her. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And that is remarkable. But I think what made Mary even more remarkable was not just her faith, but her joy. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, we heard her say today. And remember, she spoke those words, we're not exactly told when, but not many days after being told that her life was going to be far different from the way she thought, that her plans were not going to come about, and that her life was going to be a lot more difficult than she imagined, and her response was, yes! My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary's voice was not one of grudging resignation or resentment, but a voice of joy. The joy born from a faith that was born from the words and promises of God. A faith that rejoices even when things don't look or seem or feel good at all. And I think... That's remarkable. This week in our vacation Bible school, one of the stories we heard was the story of Joseph. He was hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, thrown into prison because someone lied about him, but then rose to be second in command of all Egypt. The vice president of Egypt, we called him. When he finally got reunited with his brothers, he forgave them. And then said that what they meant for evil, God meant for good. And he rejoiced in the plan of God. But that was some 13 years later. After he saw how God's plan all worked out. Do you really think he was rejoicing as he was being led down to Egypt to be a slave? Two years ago, this past week, is when my father died, and he was called home to his eternal rest. And while we rejoiced in the promises of God that were given to him in his baptism, and in knowing that though old age and sickness had taken his life, he wasn't really dead, but now with his Lord still, we were sad. We would like to have him with us a little more time. But then... A couple months after he died, the news started being taken over by this thing called the coronavirus. You might have heard of it. And then things got locked down. And after my father died, had he lived, we would not have been able to visit him or see him for who knows how long. And with his memory problems, he would not have understood that. Why we weren't there. And we would have been worried and frustrated and we realized 
later how the plan of God was good after all. How God had taken him at just the right time and spared him of having to live or not through that. And then we could rejoice. And those are just two examples. We could go through the Bible and examples from history all day and note other examples of this, how people rejoiced in the plan of God after going through a time, sometimes very long, of hardship, trouble, doubt, and fear. So I think that that's what makes Mary and what she says here so remarkable. And such an example for us. Because she says it before she sees how it all works out. Faith rejoices not because it sees or knows. But because of the words and promises of God. Which it turns out are more sure than what we see or feel or think we know. And so, in what Mary says, she uses the words and promises of God that gave her such joy. She uses some of the words that we heard today from the prophet Isaiah to express her trust. She uses some words from Hannah, the mother of Samuel, to express her joy. And she mentions Abraham and how God had fulfilled and was even now fulfilling his words and promises to him. You see, it wasn't her but the scriptures and God's history of faithfulness that gave her the faith to rejoice even before she knew how it would all turn out. And that's true for you and me as well. And if we don't, why is that? Is that a sign that we don't know our scriptures well enough? Is that an indication that we're trusting in ourselves too much? Is it because we want our own way and not God's way? Is that because our thinking is too much like the world's and not enough like God's? Perhaps it is all of the above. And a reason for us to repent to repent of ourselves and turn to the Lord for the joy and faith and confidence we need, to read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the scriptures so they become a part of who we are and how we think, to remember our baptism every day and all the promises of God given to us there, to come and receive the body and blood of Jesus the same body and blood of Jesus born to Mary and receive the forgiveness and life we need. To turn to the Lord in all these ways and rejoice in our good and faithful Father whose words and promises are the most sure and true thing on this earth. Imagine if we did that that turned to the Lord and trusted like Mary, no matter what. Think that would make a difference in your life? Maybe in the lives of others too.
This is also something we learned in our vacation Bible school this week. Our theme was Jesus is our brother, which also means that God is our father. And joined to Jesus in baptism and receiving his spirit, his father becomes our father. Which is how he taught us to pray, right? Our father. So as the verses from Galatians that we heard about today said, in the fullness of time or at just the right time, God sent his son into the world to be our flesh and blood brother, to redeem us so that we might receive adoption as sons in baptism. And so now we have God as our father and can cry out, Abba, Father, as sons and daughters of God and be heirs, inheritors of all his promises. That all that he said and promised is not just for others, but for me. This is what enabled the early Christian martyrs to be joyful, even in the face of beasts and flame. And it is what enables modern-day martyrs to be joyful too. For if, as I proposed at the beginning of the sermon, Mary on this day died to the hopes and plans she had for her life when she received the words and promises of God from the angel Gabriel, She also rose that day to live in the life God had for her. And she rejoiced in it and in him. And so too it is for you and me. The day we receive the words and promises of God in baptism, our old selves were drowned and died with Christ in those waters, and a new person emerged from those waters to live the life God has for us. A life perhaps not as we hope or think or want, but better. For it is his life, not ours. Not ours to do whatever we want, but to rejoice in our Father and Savior and follow where he leads because we know where he leads is eternal life with him. So imagine that. When we receive good news or when we receive bad news, when our life goes off the rails or is charging full steam ahead, when the unexpected or unplanned happens, when we're faced with challenges or when those challenges are overcome, when a curveball comes your way, when we are faced with a fork in the road and we don't know which way to go, whether things are going well or not so well, we said with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Imagine that. If you think you don't have that kind of faith, you're wrong, dear Christians. You do. Because it's not from you or of you, but what Jesus gave to you. We simply need to live it and feed it and strengthen it with our Lord's words and promises. Mary wasn't the mother of our Lord because she was better than you or purer than you or anything better than you. But simply because God chose her, sola gratia, by grace alone. 
It's the same for you. He chose you, sola gratia, and is using you for great things as well. Maybe not great in the eyes of the world, but great in his eyes. So today we commemorate Mary. She's important. What God used her for is important. We don't ignore her, but we don't exalt her. We honor her, yes, but worship her, no. And we learn from her of our Lord and his faithfulness. And the best way we can commemorate her today is to come up again here to the altar and receive the body and blood of the son she bore, the God-man, the promised Savior, and give thanks for him and all that he has done for us. That we are the hungry he fills, the lowly he exalts, the sinner he forgives, the poor he helps, the weak he strengthens, the mourning he comforts, the sad he cheers, the doubters he assures, and the dead he raises to life. Because that's the kind of God he is. From the beginning of time to the end of time. For Mary and for you and for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.